Okay, welcome back to Healthspan. This is going to be part two of The Blue Zones by Dan Buechner. In this episode, I will be discussing the Blue Zones in Okinawa, Japan, and also the Blue Zone in Loma Linda, California. So we're going to begin our discussion with the Blue Zone in Okinawa. Okinawa is part of the nation of Japan. It's located in the Ryukyu Islands between the North Pacific and the East China Sea, and it has a population of 1.3 million people. So we begin our story with Dan Buettner meeting up with two brothers who are doctors, Craig Wilcox and also Bradley Wilcox, who are gerontologists, and they were doing studies on nutrition and healthy aging at the University of Toronto when they decided to meet up with another doctor, Dr. Makoto Suzuki, who was a demure Japanese medical doctor who had discovered this Okinawan blue zone. And Dr. Suzuki had been sent to the main island from Tokyo to help open Okinawa's first medical school. And when he arrived here in Okinawa, he saw that there was a healthy-looking woman walking down the street with a hoe, looking like she was on her way to a farm. And so he ended up stopping and asked her if she'd heard of a centenarian woman. She said, I am here. I could not believe it. She looked like a woman of 70. But later I did the investigation and it was true. So that kind of experience uh, spurred Dr. Suzuki to explore more the the centenarians in in Okinawa. And one thing to remember is with that population of 1.3 million people, there were 700 of them who are are centenarians. So that's an astounding number, 700 centenarians in that 1.3 million population. And remember, again, this book is a lot of anecdotal stories, so a lot of the, these stories shared by Dan Buettner, they are not ex- extremely evidence-based, but they have you know, good anecdotal stories to them. So we're going to begin the story with a woman named Kamada Nakazato, who was a 102-year-old woman living on the Motobo Peninsula. Now, Kamada was the, this village... This village is Noro, which means a priestess who communicates with the gods and ancestors and serves as a spiritual advisor to the townspeople. So she was kind of this woman who a lot of people would go to and get some advice, some spiritual advice, you know. And growing up in her past, Kamada's father was a, a rice and sugar farmer who could barely feed his family. So in third grade, Kamada decided to drop out of school and help her mother raise the family. And she stated that life was really hard and they had famines, time, you know, times when people starved to death. And a lot of the times, all they had to eat was emo, which is a sweet potato for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And there was an interesting fact here that by the time of Kamada's birth in 1902, Okinawans got 80% of their calories from sweet potatoes. So, so you know, sweet potatoes are good for you. They eat a, they eat a lot of it in Okinawa. Now, Kamada, her husband... He frequently traveled to mainland China and searched for work. And a lot of times there was times where Kamada and the family had basically no income. So she had to weave straw hats to make money on the side. So she was very poor and living in poverty. But as far as her morning routine, she states that, quote, I would wake up about 6 a.m. and make a pot of jasmine tea and eat my breakfast, usually miso soup with vegetables. And at noontime, Kamada said, she wanders into the kitchen garden behind her house to harvest some herbs and vegetables for her lunch. 
She states, I'll use mugworts to give my rice flavor or turmeric to spice my soup. And when talking to the daughter of Kamada, the daughter stated that, quote, My mother eats in the tradition of women her age. They are not used to these rich foods, but rather the foods that they ate as a young woman before the war. She mostly eats vegetables from her garden, daikon, bitter melon, garlic, onion, peppers, tomatoes, and some fish and tofu. All day long, she nurses a pot of hot green tea. And before each meal, she takes a moment to say, Hara Hachibu. So this is a, a term I've definitely heard before. Hara Hachibu. And this is something Dan Buner has never heard before. And what it means is eat until you are 80% full. That's, I guess, the translation of Hara Hachibu. Eat until you're 80% full. And Okinawans, they may be the only human population that purpose, purposefully restricts how many calories they eat. And they do it by reminding themselves to eat until they're 80% full. So they'll say this this uh, mantra before they eat to help them remember that they shouldn't eat till their, you know, their stomachs are bloated and, you know, they need to go lay down afterwards. They just eat till they're 80% full. And he kind of, Dan Buehner kind of asked this Kamada lady, so what's the secret to living to 102? And Kamada's reply was, I used to be very beautiful. I had hair that came down to my waist. It took me a long time to realize that beauty is within. It comes from not worrying so much about your own problems. Sometimes you can best take care of yourself by taking care of others. And he states, anything else? She, and she states, eat your vegetables, have a positive outlook, and be kind to people and smile. So those are the three, the kind of three end pieces of advice. Eat your vegetables, have a positive outlook, and be kind to people and smile. So... I thought that was a cool anecdotal story. And they have a passage in here about soy. So soy is a big product in Japan and in all of Asia. And Suzuki, remember the, the doctor, he stated that when compared to Americans of the same age, quote, we have found that the blood of male and female centenarians seem to have a higher level of sex hormones. So estrogen, testosterone, uh, people in Japan when they get older, they tend to have higher levels of these sex hormones, which we know can be extremely protective. Estrogen, very protective for women. Testosterone, very protective for men. And soy products that contain contain these phytoestrogens are probably better than, than hormone supplements, he stated. Some researchers speculated that they may impact many of the benefits of estrogen without the cancer dangers. So estrogen... Uh, we know like it can be tied to certain cancers like breast cancer and uh, certain genital urinary cancers as well. And Okinawans eat an average of three ounces of soy products per day. Tofu, their main source of soy, may play a role in reducing the risk of heart disease as well. So I thought that was interesting too, that in general, these centenarians, uh, they have higher levels of sex hormones compared to other centenarians around the world. And it could potentially be due to all the soy that they have. So, one other thing about Kamada, the 102-year-old lady that they're they're interviewing, was that every single day, they, she gets together with her friends in this group called the Moai, M-O-A-I, which is the group of lifelong friends who meet with Kamada every single day. So, this is something we don't see really in the United States. Like, we we often lose track of our friends and um, 
you know, it's good to have these social relationships, these social connections. And uh, this is something you'll see that's very common in these blue zones. So Dan Buettner states, their moya may very well be part of the equation. Chronic stress takes its toll on overall health, and these women have a cultural, culturally ingrained mechanism that sheds it every afternoon at 3.30 p.m. So this, this group is essentially this kind of like a, you know, it's this wellness group that comes together and they talk about any, anything going on or any problems that they have. So it's a support group that they've been having. And we know that, you know, talking about your problems and, and talk, talking things out with people can help with, you know, reduce the stress of your problem and help in knowing, knowing people are supporting you. Uh, this can help you in the long run as well. So that is the moai that that Kamada is, is part of. And moving forward, they finished up the conversation with Kamada and, they just, and they're, they're on their way back in the car ride. So Dan Buner is with his colleagues and one of the colleagues, his name is Greg. And Greg's kind of like that annoying guy in the back who is like always talking. And you just want a silent car ride, but this guy Greg is always talking. And he just starts rambling. He states like, I noticed lots of mugworts, lots of turmeric, lots of garlic. And yeah, these people, they ate a lot of turmeric, which is an anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, as well as anti-cancer, you know, powder. And this comes back to inflammation. So many age-related diseases are caused by an immune system out of balance. So excessive or unnecessary inflammation accelerates heart disease, bone loss, and Alzheimer's disease. And antioxidants found in vegetables and herbs are also important as well because the same oxidation process that rusts our cars also deteriorates our body. Antioxidants mop up highly charged oxygen, free radicals that cause this sort of rust. So this is Greg kind of rambling. And one thing he states as well is that Okinawans are just born into a lifestyle that promotes health. They have been blessed by access to year-round fresh organic vegetables, strong social support, and these amazing herbs that um, amount to pre- preventative medicines. So this guy Greg is absolutely right. Um, we know the antioxidant theory isn't the main theory of aging, but we know it still plays a role in creating uh, you know, free radicals in our body. So it's good to take some stuff that has antioxidants like glutathione or astaxanthin or vitamin C, vitamin E. These all help... Uh, these are all antioxidants that will help, you know, quench up free radicals that may be damaging to our DNA. So they're in the car ride and going forward, they ended up meeting another centenarian. So Gozii Shinzato is an, is the next kind of centenarian that they're, they're going to talk with. So this, this person, Gozii, had worked in the mountains barefoot cutting wood and they, she carries it back to her village to sell. So again, uh, kind of a, a, a poor person as well. So once when she was working in the mountains, this is an interesting story. So once when she was working in the mountains, she came upon a much bigger woman who had been bitten by a habu, which is a deadly poisonous viper indigenous to the island. And Gozii, who weighed about 85 pounds, cut off a strip of her dress to apply a tourniquet to the bite then hoisted the woman onto her back. She carried the woman four and a half miles back to sea and into a boat that she rode to a neighbor, 
neighboring village for help. The woman survived. At that time, Gozia was 62 years old. So at the age of 62, she was able to hoist a woman on her back and carry her four and a half miles and save her after this deadly uh, poisonous viper attack. So I thought that was an interesting thing to share. And one of the other things to mention is that this woman, Gozia, who's, who's 80 years old, she what they, they noticed that she was able to spring up and down from her mat. And he goes, how many 80-year-olds back home can get up from the floor like that? Gozia over 100 and probably gets up and down 30 times a day. So actually, sorry, this, this woman is, is 100 years old. But he's making the point that not even 80-year-olds can get up and down this many times. So she probably got up and down 30 times as a 100-year-old, as a hundred year old, which is very rare. For her age, she has incredibly good lower body strength and balance. That makes a huge difference in old age mortality because falls and broken bones are usually fatal when seniors reach a certain age. So I think that's one of the determinants. Like, if you listen to other podcasts or if you re- read the research, there are certain clinical tests that help us determine uh, mortality and like how, how well we're doing as we're aging. So grip strength is one of them. Uh, being able to get up from the floor is another one. So these are like small markers you can use to see like how well when you get older how well you're you're going to be able to uh you know take care of yourself and moving forward we're going to talk about uh Kamara Arashino which is another centenarian that we're talking about and this goes into the story about the war in Okinawa so I'm going to read this passage here. It was a rainy day in April. 43-year-old Kamara Arashino and her three children were hiding in 130 other villagers in a cramped cave. Five days earlier, American troops had stormed uh, the place where they were living and had killed nearly half of the island's population. Battleships were shelling the islands from offshore. The only hope for these poor peasants was to take shelter in a cave. They were told that if, 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 if American soldiers captured them, they'd be tortured to death. So in the event of a capture, villagers were giving suicide bombs they could detonate for a painless ending. So after several days, American troops landed on the western shores of the island. Troops advanced from the beach towards the cave. The villagers made a hasty decision to detonate the bomb. But a split second before the bomb went off, Kamana decided that she wanted to live. She rushed her children to the back of the cave. There was a white flash and her ears shattering blast and the cave roofs collapsed. So... I thought that was an interesting sto- story about Kamada saving her children when these American troops they decided to raid raid the island. Kamada helped save her family and being at such an old age as well. Now we're going to talk about another person, 74-year-old uh Shigichi. Uh this is the next person they they discuss and talk about and he's actually the uh the the son of Kamada as well so they have a, some conversation about that story that i just shared about the war and, and all that and they end up meeting more people so again this is this is a story of Dan Buner going around and basically talking to 
centenarians and seeing like what what's your secret what's going on so they meet another man uh, Fumi Chinen Chinenin and her advice for longevity included eating eel every day work in a place where you can socialize and if anyone ever gives you something and tells you it's healthy don't eat it to stay young innkeeper the innkeeper of Fumi she prays every day. My ancestors are watching over me, she states. The nine-year-old the nine year old told, told her, told Dan, I never pray for a long life, but I just express my gratitude for another day. So again, being thankful for every moment, every breath of your life. Now, the common attributes of these Okina- Okinawans centenarians, their hard-edged humor, uh, smug disposition, disposition, and hardship-tempered appreciation for what is not what could have been and their purpose driven tradition based lifestyle might look like clues to their longevity Uh, but again they wouldn't hold much of this scientific sway so Dan kind of comes to the realization that you can't really generalize about a whole population from a few stories so again this is where another doctor comes in Dr. Nobuyoshi who was one of the Jap- Japanese's foremost centenarian researcher. And he puts here that the only common factor we could find is the heterogeneity, heterogeneity of these centenarians. In other words, they were all different. So he, he goes on to hypothesize a few other things, like in Okinawa, the rate is 35 semi super centenarians per million. Perhaps it's because in the north where it's colder, old people are more likely to die of respiratory infections or because in Okinawa they can grow vegetables year-round and therefore eat fewer fewer salty pickles and canned meat or perhaps perhaps exposure to more sun gives Okinawans an advantage so a few hypotheses of why Okinawa is doing so much better than actual Japan and a lot of times Americans emphasize biological aging and you tend to age alone. And in Japan, they focus on social, environmental aging. And we think of, about aging in the context of a family or community. So again, you see this disparity between what's going on in the U.S. and what's going on here in Okinawa. While we focus on biological aging, these people in Japan focus on social and environmental aging. One other thing he states is that centenarians also tend to be decisive. They know what they want and they stay on course, but when life circumstances force them to adapt, they become flexible thinkers and also embrace the change. Even those who may have been cantacaris in their youth learn the value of good humor and grace in, cultivate, in cultivating the loyalty and patience of their friends and caregivers as their level of functioning declines. They make it fun and rewarding to be around. So, again, you see this like youthful joy and youthful spirit in these these centenarians and again that might be one of the secrets to their longevity so to end off Okinawa I'm going to go out through the list of Okinawans longevity lessons that Dan wrote down so the first of the nine is embrace an ikiga so older Okinawans can readily articulate the reason they get up in the morning their purpose uh, these lives give them clear rules of their responsibility and feelings of being needed well into into their hundreds. The second point, rely on a plant-based diet. Older Okinawans have eaten a plant-based diet most of their lives. 
Their meals of stir-fried vegetables, sweet potatoes, and tofu are high in nutrients and low in calories. Goya, with its antioxidants and compounds that lower blood sugar, is of a particular interest. While centenarian Okinawans do eat some pork, it is traditionally reserved only for infrequent ceremonial occasions and taken only in small amounts. Now the third one is get to gardening. Almost all Okinawan centenarians grow or once grew a garden. It's a source of daily physical activity that exercises the body with a wide range of motion and helps reduce stress. It's also a near constant source of fresh vegetables. The next one is eat more soy. That I talked about already. The next one is maintain a moai. So again, remember one of the centenarians, the 102-year-old lady, this was the, the social network that she had. These safety nets lend financial and emotional support in times of need and also give all their members the stress-shedding security of knowing that there's always someone there for them. Next is enjoy the sunshine. Vitamin D, these Okinawans are exposed to vitamin D year-round, helps support their immune function and their bones as well. Next one is staying active. Second to last is plant a medical garden. And the last and final thing is have an attitude. So a hardship-tempered attitude has endowed Okinawans with an affable smugness. They're able to let their difficult early years remain in the past while they enjoy today's simple pleasures. They've learned to be likable and to keep younger people in their company well into their old age. So those are the nine Okinawan longevity lessons that you need to remember and implement in your life if you're looking to become a centenarian or live like these Okinawans. So that caps it off for Okinawa, Japan, and now we're moving our way to my home state of Southern California, where we're going to talk about the Seventh-day Adventists who live in Loma Linda, California, which is about 16 miles east of Los Angeles. So we're going to start with this Advent Adventist Health Study 1, which they often allude to a lot. Um, this was a survey of by the National Institute of Health that examined nearly 34,000 California Adventists over the age of 25 from the years of 1974 to 1988. And one of the key discoveries of this Adventist Health Study 1 was that approximately half of the Adventists were vegetarian or rarely ate any meat, which gave two of these doctors here at in Loma Linda, Fraser and Butler, a solid demographic foundation to look at the advantages of a plant-based diet. And Fraser states that we learned that non-vegetarian Adventists had about twice the risk of heart disease as vegetarian Adventists. And another thing was, quote, but, we re- but meat remained a co- constant, consistent contributor to heart disease, which isn't that surprising because it had, has high levels of saturated fat. So out of that, we started asking questions about other fatty foods, and one of those we focused on was nuts. So we're going to talk about nuts a lot because people in Loma Linda, the Seventh-day Adventists, they love nuts, all kind of nuts. And we know nuts are fats as well, but these are unsaturated fats. Now, the Adventists who consumed nuts at least five times a week had about half the risk of heart disease of those who didn't. So this was true of men, women, vegetarians, and non-vegetarians. Now when you talk about the AHS study and cancer, it gets a little bit more controversial. So because despite hundreds of studies and huge amounts of press, what 
epidemiologists with know with certainty about diet and cancer can be stated in a single paragraph. And that would say that consuming fruits and vegetables and whole grains seems to be protective for a wide variety of cancers. So exactly which fruits and vegetables and how protective they are with which cancers is hard to say with certainty, although there have been some interesting data as well. So, for example, they found that women who consume tomatoes at least three or four times a week reduced their chances of getting ovarian cancer by 70% over those who ate tomatoes less often. And something was similar for colorectal cancer as well. So, Frazier stated that we found that the Adventists who ate meat had a 65% increased risk of getting colon cancer when compared to vegetarian Adventists. And Adventists who ate more legumes like peas and beans had a 30 to 40% reduction in colon cancer. Another thing, those who ate meat were at twice the risk of getting bladder cancer and a 65% increase in the risk of getting ovarian cancer. So I'm, I'm listing a bunch of percentages and stats, but the main point is here that this is something David Sinclair states as well. We need to limit our meat consumption um, and stick to really a whole food plant-based diet. This is common throughout all the blue zones. This is common along all centenarians. They all limit their meat consumption and they all focus on high amounts of beans, legumes, nuts, and vegetables as well. So I'm going to spare the studies, um, but one thing they also state is that they drink a lot of water. So if you look at the AHS1 data, it is very clear that men who drank five or six glasses of water a day had a substantial reduction in the risk of a fatal heart attack, 60 to 70% less compared to those who drank considerably less water. So get your get your water on. Uh, they drink it a lot here in Loma Linda. And um, some other benefits of this lifestyle. Again, Frazier and Butler listed five things that we can do to add as much as an extra decade to our lives. So first is vegetarian status will get you about two extra years alone. Secondly, they found that nut eaters also had a two-year advantage. Third is being a smoker. So we know that you you shouldn't smoke at all. Uh, Fourth is the physical activity. So this modest but regular physical activity is something they advocate. And the fifth and final recommendation is to maintain a fairly normal body weight, which is an increasingly important issue in the United States. We know diabetes, obesity, diabetes is common throughout the U.S., so the fifth and final thing is to just maintain a fairly normal body weight. And we know the correlation between waist circumference and pretty much all-cause mortality. So that's something you know we should be focusing on as well. So I'm going to move forward. And this, this, this chapter is very similar to the Okinawan where he goes through a lot of anecdotal stories. Um... But I'm only going to share a few. So he was talking to this man. Dan Buehner was talking and his colleagues were talking to this man named Randy Roberts, who was the pastor of Loma Linda University Church. And one of the things this man stated was that, quote, I've heard over and over again from students in rigorous programs like medicine and dentistry and faculty, too, that they can't wait for the Sabbath to come because they have a guilt free time when they don't have to study or do some other obligations. They can just be with their family and friends and with God and just relax and rejuvenate. When you have that as a pattern in your life 52 times a year, 
it can make a big difference. So this is, a, I guess, one of the secrets they have here in the uh, Seventh-day Adventist is that they take the Sabbath, which, you know, Sunday, very seriously. And this is the time with where you should be with God, where you should, you should be with your friends and family and just relax. Like, at least in the United States, I feel like everyone's just come like constantly go, go, go. You know, they're they're constantly having high stress, high cortisol. And this can be kind of detrimental to our health. So something this pastor noticed is that by 52 years of just taking a day off and being with family and friends and being just guilt-free, that this helps, you know, this makes a huge difference in these people's lives. So the next story I want to share was about this Dr. Ellsworth Warrenham, who was another person that another a 90 year old who was being interviewed by Dan Buettner so Dan interviewed this guy and he met with doc, you know Dr. Ellsworth Warrenham who was working in his backyard and he was installing his own fencing so essentially what happened was Dr. Warrenham he was giving an estimate of five thousand dollars he didn't want the estimate, so he decided to build it himself. Now, four days later, after he was done working on this fence, Warrenham was in open-heart surgery at a community hospital on the edge of Los Angeles. But the interesting part was he wasn't on the table. He had the scalpel in his hand. So this is a, I know it sounds crazy, this is a 90-year-old doctor, surgeon, who is still working you now. He made it clear that he's no longer the lead surgeon, but he's like the second or third help. And uh, just the fact that he's 90 years old and still performing, or at least helping, assisting with a heart surgery procedure, is absolutely fascinating to me. So he go ahead. He goes ahead and asks uh, this doctor about what he saw when he was doing his surgery, and he states that in the early days when we used the heart lung mach- machine. We connected the arterial line to to the cannula in the leg artery. Later, it would be straight into the aorta, he said. But I observed when I was cutting into the thighs of these patients that those who were vegetarian had better arteries. So when he did the surgery, this doctor, he he made a point where if he saw this nice smooth artery, he would often go back later and ask the patient what kind of diet they were on. And it turned out that he or she was often vegetarian. And those who really had a lot of heavy calcium and plaques in their arteries, their diet would not be towards the vegetarian side. So this is a doctor looking at people's arteries and he states he he sees this profound difference in calcification of arteries and how smooth an artery is depending on this on the patient's diet. So just like other people in Loma Linda, he's often very fond of the nuts as well. So... He would usually eat about two meals a day, first around 10 in the morning, and again around four in the afternoon. Um, so he just, he did the two meals a day kind of thing. Again, completely vegetarian, veg, vegan, he's vegan actually, and also e- eating a lot of the nuts as well. So that's the story of the 90-year-old doctor. Now I'm going to go ahead and say some last words about the Seventh-day Adventist. And what this all means. Are the Adventists hitting some kind of fundamental rate of aging? 
we see people get to age 89 or 103 or, or whatever. And as, as the physicians, we often ask, what did they die of? And we see that they were experiencing heart failure and their kidneys weren't so good and everything was slowly deteriorating. So aging seems to be about deteriorating cellular function and metabolism and so forth. And what this man was saying is that with this Adventist, it almost looks like as if that general deterioration in cellular functioning may be impacted by lifestyle. So this aging is kind of, it's inevitable, but these people in Loma Linda have found a way to kind of prolong this these diseases that us Americans often get around, you know, ages 60, 70, even younger. So they're finding ways to stave off all these all these uh deteriorations in cellular functioning and metabolism just by this lifestyle. Now just like I did in Okinawa, I'm gonna finish off with Loma Linda's Blue Zone Secrets. So the first secret of the ten is finding a sanctuary. So a weekly break from the rigors of daily life, this twenty four hour Sabbath provides a time to focus on family, God, camaraderie, and nature. Adventists claim this relieves their stress, strengthens their social network, and also provides consistent exercise. Secondly is maintaining a healthy BMI. Third is get regular, moderate exercise. Fourth, spend time with like-minded friends. Fifth, snack on nuts. Sixth, give something back. Seven, eat meat in moderation. Number eight, eat an early, light dinner. Number nine, put more plants in your diet. And number 10 is drink plenty of water. So you can go ahead and rewind and listen to those 10 facts again. These 10 longevity secrets that these people in Loma Linda do. And uh, that basically sums it up for Okinawa as well as the Loma Linda Blue Zone at the Seventh-day Adventist. So I'm going to end the podcast here. Next episode... I will be talking about the blue zone in Costa Rica, as well as another blue zone in Greece, and then finally give you those nine powerful lessons that you can implement in your life uh, in your own personal blue zone. So I hope you enjoyed something. I hope you learn more about Okinawa and and this Seventh Day Adventist, and I hope you listen to the next episode as well. I'll go ahead and leave my Instagram in the episode description if you want to leave me a comment or. If you have any book suggestions, and I hope you tune in next time. Thanks for listening.